When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Excellent evidence equals Jaguar Jakarta Jubilee Joy. Bring out the bunting for Vernon Mortara. The celebrations fall flat for reigning champ De Vries as DNF dents his defence. All this and more in the race Formula E podcast Jakarta edition. Hello, I'm Andrew Vandenberg and welcome to the latest version of our show. Joining me as always is the race resident Formula E expert Sam Smith, who managed to avoid the inevitable hot mess that Jakarta would have made of him, and our special guest, who endured the Indonesian heat, Venturi team principal Jerome D'Ambrosio. Hi Jerome, welcome back to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Jerome, you were there this weekend at Formula E's latest venue. From the TV pictures, it looked like a great event, a good track and a really decent crowd. I think you've been to all the venues that Formula E has raced at. What did you make of it? It was uh, it was a great event. Um, it wasn't a decent crowd. It was a great crowd. Um, we had great fans, uh, very warm welcome from the whole uh, from everybody in uh, in Indonesia. And uh, the track was great, um, offered a great, great racing, which is what we want. And uh, yeah, so I mean, very, uh, very excited about that first, uh, that first edition of the Jakarta Ipri. Now, Sam, um, for a new track in a new country, things seem to go very smoothly. Uh, but more importantly, we had a good race. So I think it's pretty clear to say now that we have a clear picture on who the genuine title contenders are. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think actually one started to emerge really from from Berlin, the Berlin doubleheader. We're seeing what I'm calling the Gang of Four, which is Van Dorn, Vern Evans, and and uh, Rocky Venturi's Eduardo Mortara. They're, they're consistently at the front. Three of those four were in the top five again in Indonesia. So although others could still come into play, I think one of those four will be champion this year. For the narrative of the championship, it's I, th- I think a very different proposition, obviously, to last summer. You know, when we had, I think it was up to a dozen up for the crown, didn't we, heading into Berlin. We know that the reasons are mainly due to the, what I'd say, the clearer dual system knockout um, formula that they've come up with for qualifying this year. But we're also in the final season of a rule set, remember. So there's a more defined hierarchy, which I think is a natural part of what we're seeing this year. And I think a more enjoyable one, I think, I think it's all the better for it. It gives a structure to the story of the season. We've said it several times on the show, haven't we? But I think one season like 2021 is is okay. You can get away with that. But otherwise, you know, you, if if that continued, you get such an abstract picture, and and really, you want something a bit more structured so fans can choose their favourites and and the PR people can ramp up the the fervour for giving a narrative to the to the championship of those four. I think as it stands, each have attributes that can clinch the title. We've talked a bit about Evans's qualities in the past. You've got Mortara's um, adeptness at 
just the way that he drives that Venturi Mercedes. Verne's consistency in bagging big points is exceptional this season. And Van Dorn, of course, who I think if he if he if he can cut out the odd mistake which he's making in, in qualifying and he made another one in, in Jakarta, um, you know, he, he could he could be the favourite as it stands at the moment. But as I said, I think there are three others who can do it. And, and isn't it interesting that all four of those championship protagonists are all sorted for drives for 23? You know, Evans, Verne and Van, uh, Van Dorn, those two will be uh, at the new DS Penske Alliance. They're all sorted. We're presuming that Edo is going to be um, staying on when Venturi morphs into Maserati next season. So, you know, I don't know. I, it, it, does that play a part in ensuring the consistency and the, and the, the performance of, of those four who are sort of a little breakaway gang of four, as I mentioned? It could do. I think, you know, at the very least, it's a good psychological state to be in, isn't it? So Jerome, as Sam mentioned, third place Redo keeps him right in the thick of that title fight. Um, but it looked like he had the pace to win that one. So was third ultimately a bit disappointing? Absolutely not. I mean, absolutely not. It was, to, to your last point, was it disappointing? Uh, it was a great performance uh, for the team. Uh, great performance by Edo. Um, and I think Edo had the pace to win, but so did Jeb and so did uh, Evans. And and. It was just so close. You had moments in the race where when one pushed a little bit more than, than, than the others and so on. And so there was a bit of a, you know, they, they took gaps uh, at times, but in the end, on the finish line, they were, they were all uh, very close to one another. So absolutely not disappointed by, uh, by, the third, uh, by the third place. Informally, in a championship like this, you just have to score points and you have to, uh, when you have an opportunity to be on the podium, to be, uh, to be fighting at the front, you have to make sure that you realize that opportunity and that you, uh, you bring the points home. So that's what Edo did. Uh, he did another great quality and, um, and, and yeah, finishing third is a, it's a great result. He's having a fantastic season, isn't he? Um, he appears to be really maturing into a driver informally now. Why do you think that is? I think it's, it's, you know, from the outside, we like to look at, uh, you know, take shortcuts and and, and uh, try to find a silver bullet and the single reason why a driver and a team are finding performance. Um, in the end, I think it's a combination of things. He's been with the team for a long time. He's very well gelled in the team. Uh, he knows us. We know him. He knows the car. Um, he's at ease with it, as I think everybody can see, especially in quali. Um, the last three qualities, he's pulled some some special laps, and that that shows confidence in the, in his car um, and knowledge in the car. And so I think it's a mixture of things. But um, but yeah, definitely the the, the team and, and him are in a great place. Um, he's got a good teammate also with Lucas, who's you know who's who's uh, pushing him as well. And in, in in free practice, they both learn from one another, and I think we have a very positive dynamics. So. Uh, so yeah, I think it's uh, we're in a good place. Uh, there's another six races to go. So again, it's Formula E. We'll take it race by race. And uh, but at the moment, we're we're enjoying uh, the, the form that, that that we're having. And uh, again, we'll just focus uh, on one race at a time. So I'm let's talk a, a bit about race winner Mitch Evans. Uh, another charging drive from him. He's really making a habit of making these passes for the win, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, I think he and Jaguar 
um, TCS bounced back really well after a, a pretty ordinary Berlin uh, last month, and, and he drove a brilliant race, as, as Jerome said, as, as did all three of the the podium. Um, what I thought was really impressive was the way he managed his tyres in those final laps. He, he, you know, I've spoken to a few people since last Saturday, and although the fears of massive degradation were were kind of largely unfounded, there were certainly some major conditioning by the drivers needed let's say i mean the surface actually was i think quite surprising in that it was ultra high grip is, is that right jerome it was it, i mean the grip levels were probably the grippiest we've seen this season is that is that fair to say i think it was it was grippy it wasn't i don't think it was much higher i mean we've seen high grips in uh, in uh, high grip in in some uh, in some instance this uh, this season um but i think what was Really, the, the challenging in terms of the challenging part in terms of grip was was that you had a lot of grip on on the line, but as soon as you got a bit offline, that 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 got much more trickier. So, um, so yeah, it was a high grip track, but I would say I'd put it you know close to the close to the Berlin uh, type uh, type circuits. Yeah, yeah, you know Evans coped really well. Um, he resisted that last bit of pressure from from Vern's uh, DS car. I, I think fair play to him. I think when you have a, a tough race, I think the difference between Mitch Evans this season to previous seasons is, I, I think there is a psychological element there. You know, when he had a poor race in Mexico City and, and actually had one point, didn't he, from the first three races, there was no panic. You know, he he just knuckled down, um, drilled down into the details with the team and, and, and came back punching pretty pretty strongly um, I, I think in terms of getting into that position for the victory he can do that pretty consistently the, the dominance in Rome the, the speed in quality in the race in Monaco and, and then Jakarta um, you know he's not had quite the consistency of, of Vernon Montara but his peaks have been, you know, there's there's been a big spike in the peaks. He's always been a very hungry driver, and he's always been mega at, especially carrying minimum corner speed, which is crucial in Formula E. I think this technique, which the top drivers are, or you know, there's very fine margins between them. But Evans, especially, whenever I the rare chances I get to go on track to see the guys in action, you know, you can tell actually coming off the brakes and carrying that speed into the slow speed stuff is is there you see it uh visually uh, visibly it's you, you know you can actually see it occurring in places like the the stadium in mexico especially i remember watching with dario franchisi there a couple of couple of seasons ago and we both said it at the same time you know one of those moments where you sort of say blimey mitch is good carrying the speed through there so we, we've got marrakesh and new york coming up um obviously very different tracks he he especially has been exceptional there in the past, particularly in 2020, uh, when he did a superb sort of top gear from the rear number um, coming through and getting points when he was way down the field. And and in the big, big apple, he's got one giant ghost to put to rest, hasn't he, after the mistake he made last July, which arguably cost him the title. So the motivation's there. Um, I, he's definitely, you know, as I said it again with those four, I think he is he's in a very, very good position. But, he, you know, he's been in good positions before. The difference this year, this season, is I think he's a bit more in charge of his own destiny without the randomness of, of last year um, and obviously the, the, the team knowing the car and he knowing the car inside out. So, yeah, I think he's, um, I think he's got some great momentum behind him. 
Uh, Jerome, as uh, Sam mentioned, the consistency of uh, Jean-Eric Verne there, he got another pole position to extend his already series record and a really solid second place. He's genuinely rediscovered his form this season, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, as I said earlier on, from, from the outside, we're always trying to understand what, why a driver, you know, one season is is just consistent, performing, and, and so on, and, and why another season... He, he may appear not to be, and and the difference in in, in you know in, in achieving that that consistency and that constant you know level of performance, it's it's very it's marginal. Uh, it's it's on details, and it seemed like like Jeff you know is managing to put it together this year, like like Edo is doing, like uh, Stoffel is doing, like um, all all the ones that we've that we've mentioned, and. Um, and yeah, to understand why it's 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 difficult from the outside, you would have to ask him why. And and, and yes, they're they're the only one that that knows about that. But uh, definitely, he's been extremely consistent. He hasn't won a race yet, I think, but he's but he's there. He's been a few times second. He's been a lot of times on the podium, and he'll be a tough uh, tough competitor for uh, for us. Sam, that second place for Jeff, fourth place for De Costa, a front row lockout for Diestra Cheetah. How can a team? that can achieve this as well as being a double teams champion, be facing the possibility of not being in the championship next year? Yeah, it's a good question. Before I answer it, just picking up from what Jerome said there, I don't want to go heavy on the whole psychological thing, but but uh, Vern, you know, speaking to people in the team, Vern is in his happiest place um, that he's been in since he's he's been a Formula E driver. You know, everyone knows the story about him coming into Formula E in 2014. He got that pole at Punta Leste, didn't he? But it was a very tumultuous time for him leaving F1. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd gone through the tragedy of his, of his good friend, Jules Bianchi, um, and his accident. It was a very difficult time for him. Since then, it's been, you know, it's been real peaks and troughs. I mean, major, major peaks with the, the championships, of course, and he, he is one of the top performers in Formula E, no doubt. But on the odd occasion, he's gone down into a trough again, and, you know, that comes across as he's quite an emotional guy from the, the, the radio, as, as it does often with, with drivers during the heat of battle. But I think what's interesting for me is, you know, even in Berlin, I, I was I was stalking um, a couple of uh, guys from DS and, and talking to them at the back of the pits. I had to do a double take. You know, um, Jeff was helping the team disassemble the garage. Now, you know that a lot, lots of drivers, a few drivers do that. You know, they don't all just scarper off to the airport and to the to the lounge or whatever. You know, plenty of drivers get get their hands dirty. But it's the first time I've ever seen Vern doing that, and he was doing it with a smile on his face. You know, he's um, he's got a really settled personal life now, and things that are going on there. Again, I'm sure that all constitutes a more efficient, um, constructive professional behind the wheel. But going back to your question, yeah, we've covered that, haven't we? Diesta Cheetah for the last year or so. It's not been a happy place off the track. And the astonishing situation is that, uh, you know, going back to Berlin in 2020, Da Costa was winning the title. Um, but like his teammate as well, you know, that allegedly they were waiting for paychecks. You know, that's that's their own business. But naturally, it's going to have a big uh, issue on the track. Amazing, really. Um, and then it all kind of came to a head last September when the planned investment from a Canadian source didn't materialise. And, and now DS are going to another another alliance with with Penske. So ultimately, it's hard to quantify how such a successful team 
finds itself where it is at the moment. But that's this crazy sport sometimes, isn't it? You know, it's complicated. And uh, that sure is one complicated situation, which is still ongoing. Hopefully, it can continue. Uh, but really, it can go either either way right now, I think. Uh, that, that, that could be one crazy headline, but here's another one. What if Vern won the championship this year without taking a race win? It could happen. I mean, we're we're over halfway through the season, aren't we, at the moment? And he hasn't won a race, but he's you know he's he's on the coattails of of Van Dorn at the the at new the, Tom Sneever. <laughs> well, I was just going to say to you, we're, we're, it's it's is that the only? I mean, I that's Kiki, the only one I can think of. Yeah. So Kiki Rosberg obviously won the eighty two title by winning one race in F one, and Tom Sneever is, I think, the only cha- um, the only champion to ever win a major international series with, without a win. Right? I mean, it's got to be. Um, you stole my thunder there a bit, V2B. Thanks for that. Uh, sorry, We're, we are straying <laughs> into dang, dangerously nerdy territory here. We, we are. 1980 yeah. USAC champion? I think it was, yeah. I think it was 80, yeah. I, I mean, let's get back to it. Under Costa, um, again, obviously an, an integral part of that team. He, he's been there or thereabouts this season, but just hasn't had the same sort of clinical execution of races that he had in 20 and 21, to my mind. I, you know, I don't think it's a straight situation of... Antonio's head been turned by his soon-to-be-announced move to Porsche. You know, I say that because he's a super-focused professional race driver, and, and behind the the genial nature of Antonio, there's there's a real hard um, taskmaster there. You know, he, he's not a soft touch just because he's a nice, engaging fella. You know, he he wants to win and he wants to drive his team on, but it's it's obviously been difficult for the past year, as uh, you know, as we both mentioned. You know, he's had struggles with braking this year, and that seemed to come back and bite him a bit as well in Jakarta. It will be interesting to see if he now becomes a complete support to, to Vern's title push. You know, I don't know how they, they, they can work that. I think it's extremely difficult to do in Formula E to switch that sort of that forethought to supporting a driver. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure that will happen sooner or later because of the just the points discrepancy between them. Now, fifth place for Stoffel van Dorn keeps him at the head of the points. Uh, Drem uh, Ventura is obviously a customer of Mercedes. Uh, how does that relationship work? And should it come down to a head-to-head between the two of you, are you actually allowed to fight them for the championship? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we have a great relationship with uh, Mercedes. Obviously, the the, the, power train, the power train they're providing us with is, um, you know, is exceptional. It'll, it allows us to, to fight at the front. Um, and, you know, to answer uh, your question, you have to look at last year. I mean, Edo finished second, Nick finished first. We went into the last race. We could have won that championship. Um, we are two teams working together. But when it comes to being on the track, our drivers tr- are trying their best. And, and so uh, are our engineers. They are trying their best and, and, and fight for uh, to try to win it. So... For sure, we're, we're allowed to do that. Uh, and in the background, we're working closely to make sure that we give the four cars the best chance to uh, to fight at the front. Sam, it was a solid sixth for Jake Dennis, who's having a really strong season for Andretti. But in the sister car, it's really not working out for Oliver Askew, is it? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, apart from the gang of four, um, and maybe Frines and sporadically De Vries, I think... Dennis has been, you know, the the standout, the other standout driver this year again. Really, you know, the hopes seem to have spiked though, sadly, in Deere and and then got spectacularly punctured uh, in the next few what four or five races, really. But you know, even even when he's not had the the capability to get a result, he's still been 
quick as we saw in Rome and as we we saw in Jakarta. Although he, you know, as he, he he got some good points with with six, but wasn't able to be right at the front as he was in in Deir, um in that first race. Um, Oliver Askew, yeah, I mean, started well, uh, got those points in Deir, but since then uh, struggled quite a bit. There's been there's been a, a few mistakes in there. I mean, if you were giving him the benefit of the doubt, you'd say that that the bumpy year for rookies was last year, um, when the qualifying format enables overall better results. You know, you could uh, you get better track conditions and you could build a race from from being in Group Three and Four. Really, um, we, we we saw his teammate winning two races last season and, and also as, as Jerome knows full well um, Norman Natto did a did a pretty good job um, as well as a rookie Cassidy got a couple of poles as well didn't he I mean coming in in the final season of a rule set two isn't easy you know everyone else has got so much more knowledge that, than he had he's he's always going to be on the back front to some degree and at the end of the day you have you, you know you, you still have to perform though don't you so it's not that he's been completely off it um but he needs to get some points in the final half of the season that's for sure i think that's just clear it's it's a difficult season for andretti but you know they've they've got they've got an interesting future with with porsche so if if askew can if you know if he can get a bunch of points you never know but part of me thinks it might be already a bit too late anyway for him and and he, and he won't be part of the the gen 3 um formula e scene and that andretti will, will probably go for um some more experience in in 2023 um lucas de Grassi took seventh in your second car jerome uh his race base has been really strong this season but is it fair to say he's just fallen a little bit short in qualifying I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's qualifying this year is just so close. Uh, I think this race, uh, another 21 or 22 hundredths of a second would have put him into a, the duels. Um, it's extremely tight. And, um, you know, Lucas is, is, it's the first year with the team is getting to know compared to, to Edo and to, to Nick and Stoffel. He is coming into a, a new environment with a new car. And it's, it's, it's really in qualifying when you need to go get those last few hundreds of a seconds um, that, you know, that that hurts the most. Uh, I think he's been, he's been performing uh, really well for us. He's, if you look at, at Berlin, his qualifying was, was good. He got really unlucky in the first race with the puncture. He got fourth in the second race. Uh, here, it, he made up as many positions as anyone else in the top 10. Um, so, so I think he's there, like you say. You're right. In in, in race in race pace, he's uh is is very very strong, and in qualifying, he's uh he's, he's trying to you know to work to to put it all together to go get the those last few hundreds of a second. But again, it's I think it's one of the championship when it's where it's perhaps the harder to do so because of how close everyone is uh, in qualifying over one lap, and that's where I think also the cars there's a little bit less difference between uh, between the teams and the cars. Um, but you know we've got another six races. He's he's done some really good qualifying as well as well this year, and uh, and he's got the speed in the race. So I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna fight at the front as well. What do you make of Lucas's uh, fasting, um, Jerome? Oh yeah, here he's doing fifty hours. He's fast, doing a fifty right? hour fast. He's not eating for fifty hours. Is is this punishment for something, or is it his own accord? <laughs> I, I I it's fantastic that you learn. Uh, Things about your drivers that even you know that, that I didn't know. I'm, I'm glad I got on that podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Lucas what's the 50 hours fasting. 
I don't know. I mean, you want you wouldn't want me on a fifty hours fasting. That's for uh, that's for sure. Um, I'll get proper hangry. <laughs> I'll get hangry for sure. I was going to ask, like Lucas is the original Formula E driver, uh, Jerome. Obviously, you know, testing the car when it was back in its Formula Lec version. Behind the scenes, how much impact has he had at the team? Well, he works really well with the team. He's got a lot of experience, and so does Edo. And I think for a Formula E team, even you know, to your point, Sam Smith, uh, Sam, sorry, uh, the cars are in the last year of a generation. But there's so much work going in the, in the, in the background that that we're still working and we're still evolving and on its marginal gains from race to races and and his experience and his interest his interest in the technical side of things has has also provided us with with um, with a lot of things to work on and uh, and and as I say him together with Edo that's something that that really helps the team. Um, Obviously, there's there's uh, so much we can do as a customer team, but there's still a lot that can make small differences. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been working hard with us on that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It was another underwhelming race for Porsche with only a P8 for Pascal Wehrlein to celebrate. Sam, can we officially discount them from the championship now? Um, well, you never say never, and especially in Formula E, but... Porsche aren't in the top three consistently in, in the quickest packages out there. Yes, the car's quick in, in qualifying and race. Um, and yes, they have two great drivers capable of winning. And personally, I, I think I'd probably speak for most people in the paddock. I'd love to see Andre Lotterer win with Porsche before, you know, before going elsewhere in 2023. That would be the good news story of the year, definitely. But I, th- I think they can get another win this season, but that's probably about it. They, they won't. I'm pretty sure they won't win any titles until Gen 3. There have just been too many squandered chances. I think for Verline, obviously, Monaco. You know, if he'd have won that race, he'd have been fourth in the standings. And then who knows? I mean, all of a sudden, there's all kinds of momentum and and things that uh, can come of that. And, and actually, the issue, the legacy of the issue was felt in Jakarta because um, it was initially traced to the auxiliary battery and they and the DC DC converter um, had to be worked on before Jakarta handed Verline a, a five place grid penalty, and, and he did well actually to make up for that and, and get some points um, last Saturday. Lotter had got pinged for contact with De Vries uh, and lost points himself. Uh, didn't get any. In fact, went down to eleventh, and in he is sixty one now behind Van Dorn. Porsche is seventy two behind Mercedes in. Um, in the team's title race. I mean, yeah, it's mathematically possible they can get back into it, um, but I just think it's probably too much. So I think you have to say any title aspirations are, you know, they they have to look forward to 23. They're testing 
the Gen 3 development car in a couple of weeks' time over in Spain. I think there's going to be an enormous focus from Porsche, as there is all the manufacturers in, in, in getting that Gen 3 car right. So I think, you know, Porsche have probably got at least one eye on uh, on Gen 3 rather than any notions of uh, getting back into the title fight this season. Rounding out the points finishers, we had uh, Sandbird for ninth, in ninth for Jaguar and Sebastian Buemi 10th. Uh, a decent qualifying for Buemi, uh, starting in sixth, Sam. So what happened in the race? Well, he, he did what Van Dorn did and missed the attack boost loop, unfortunately. Um, quite why he did that, I'm not sure. I think, actually, Jerome probably probably did the track walk and obviously, you know, has downloaded the drivers. It seemed quite tricky, the, the attack loop at that corner. It was at T16, um, Jerome. It, it looked a little bit more difficult than some of the tracks. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, actually, I didn't do the track wall. I can't. I can't do them anymore. I mean, uh, I was in an air-conditioned room with the other TPs for uh, for, the, for the for the Fetema meeting at that time. But um, no, you, you're right. Actually, it was tricky for for whatever reason. Difficult to to understand why. Uh, but I think the first loop was a little bit tricky to uh, to see for the drivers because we had Edo actually in free practice once. Uh, free practice one, sorry, twice missing it. And, um, and and actually complaining about it, that it was actually quite tricky. So, yeah, it's it's part of Formula E, you know, it's a small mistake. Uh, having said that, Stoffel still did uh, did really well to to recover and, and to uh, to be uh, to end up the race in P5. And arguably, if he would have gotten ahead of uh, Antonio, who didn't have a strong pace in the second part of the race, I think could have, you know, would have been quite close to Edo. So it's important, uh, but obviously, you know, if you make one mistake, and in the case of, of Seb, if you make one mistake but you have the pace, um, you've got an opportunity to to come back and still get some good points. If you if you make one mistake and, and the pace isn't there, it's just exponential. And 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 I guess that was the case uh, for 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 Sebastian this race. So Buemi was was strong at the weekend. Um, I mean the the Nissan. We know the limitations of the Nissan. Um, you know they, they've they've had issues with that uh, particular model since it debuted at Monaco last year. Um, but there are you know it, it, on certain circuits it, it can be it can be top ten as as Sebastian proved. He did outpace um, Gunter last weekend pretty conclusively. Again, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season develops um, for another driver, Buemi, who we know is exiting his team and heading somewhere new, in, in Seb's case, to, to Envision. Um, he's, he's had a tough couple of seasons. Uh, so a bit like Lotterer, I guess, if he can get a result for Nissan in the final races, albeit I think a, you know, a podium is even is, is probably out of reach. Um, I think, again, it'll be a nice story because he's, he's leaving a team he's been an integral part of since 2014. I mean, that's a hell of a long time for any driver to be with the same team in international motorsport. So that, that'd be a you know, feel-good story. But you know, part of me thinks that, um, again... Because of the limitations of that car, I think um, Seb's definitely going to miss the team, um, and he'll miss the relationships he's built with that team. But uh, you know, he's certainly not going to miss this car and the, and the frustrations it's brought um, it's brought to him and his teammates over the last couple of seasons. Uh, talking of uh, team relationships, uh, Jerome, it's been a tough season for a couple of your former teams, Mahindra and Dragon, both of whom didn't score points at the weekend. In how much sympathy do you have for your former colleagues at those outfits? Well, I mean, obviously, there's there's two sides I think to uh, to this. The first one is um, 
I mean, we're competitors and, and there's always going to be a winner and a loser. And that's part of the game. And we're all, you know, uh, within that game, knowing, you know, knowing uh, what's at stake and, and, and that in the end we need to, that performance and performing is, 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 is what we're all trying to uh, aim for. Um, having said that, obviously we know, we all know, regardless whether you win or you lose, uh, how much effort is going into, uh, into, into trying to win and trying to be at the front. And that's valid for every team. And, um, and so, you know, obviously sympathy is a, is a strong word because it's, again, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm competing. If it's not, if it's not us, it's, it's them and vice versa. And, and so we, that's part of the game, but you, you know, that, you know, if, if, if you don't achieve results, it's difficult for the guys because the guys, you know, the engineers, the mechanics, you know, everyone in, in a team there in the end, they're doing their job. Sometimes they're doing it really well and the, the results just don't come. Uh, for other reasons, and and in that case, it's not easy. But again, I think it's it's part of the game, and everybody in the in the sport knows what the game is about. Absolutely, and and talking of knowing what the game is about, Sam, you wrote a, a very forthright article on thehighfromrace dot com, uh, critiquing uh, Antonio Giovinazzi's season to date. Uh, it's fair to say it was another disappointing, or maybe <laughs> maybe even a disaster uh, in Jakarta. Um, What's going on there, and is it is he going to make it to the end of the season? Yeah, good questions. I mean, it's a messy one, isn't it? He, he had an incident with teammate Sergio Sete Camera and spun, uh, and, and then he went off in qualifying as well. Uh, difficult weekend for for uh, Giovinazzi again. I, I, what I wrote prior to Jakarta was really just, I suppose, questioning the move of of going to Dragon Penske for this season. Um, we, we did. I mean, I think we and a lot of people did the same last November when it was announced. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, somebody coming from Formula One with his name and he's he, he, a quality driver as he is, is is good for the championship. But if he's you know if he's at the back and he's not getting results and he is potentially damaging his own reputation by doing that, then I don't think it's good for anyone. So henceforth the. Uh, the question of, of why he's there. I think initially um, the assumption was that he was doing it with something bigger and, and better in mind, whether that was with the new alliance with DS Penske for 23 or elsewhere. Uh, we now know that, you know, he's not going to be at that team um, for 23. So therefore, the, you know, returning to the question, why is he racing this season? So the assumption is that, um, he didn't have any other options, uh, and he just wanted to go racing, which is which is fair enough. And, and you know, potentially was seeing where it could where it could lead, and if he could turn heads this season, um, he hasn't done that. And I think now, it as I said, I think it's close to sort of tarnishing his reputation, which you know, no one's questioning his skill as a driver, and he clearly isn't able to exploit that skill in 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 this car. Um, and it is the second year of the homologation, and and all those things we've talked about. But again, at the very least, you know he should be he should be nibbling at his his teammate, and he's he, yeah okay he had a nibble at Jakarta didn't he? And it went wrong, but I think uh, I think he's will he make the the end of the season? I'm I'm sure he will. You know he's there's a contract, and um, you know why wouldn't he now? You know he's done half the season. He may as well go all out and and, and try and salvage something from it. Um, 
could a sabbatical have been a better prospect for his career? Yeah, that that that's for him to uh, that's for him to answer, isn't it? I think I think personally, it probably would have been rather than doing what he's doing now. I think he's probably going to be part of the Ferrari hypercar program in 2023 in, in Wec and at Le Mans. Um, and, and maybe this slightly bizarre season with Dragon Penske is is just a footnote in his career before he reestablishes himself with a with a manufacturer and continues his, his, his Ferrari adventure. So yeah, it's a, it's a curious one. Um, I, I obviously don't really get it, but Again, you know, I'm sure from his point of view, whenever I've spoken to him, um, you know, he's um, he's keeping his motivation. And it, the, the key point to make is the team love him. You know, he's 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 a really popular in the team and the motivation still seems to be there if the results aren't. So, um, yeah, he's I, I guess he's just going to keep pushing on. Well, I think that covers all the major incidents from... Uh, what was a, a really successful uh, opening out into Jakarta. Jerome, do you think this will establish itself as a place on the calendar now? Are you looking forward to going back next year? Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I said in the in the, in the very beginning, the track is is great. The crowd was fantastic. It was the the grid was actually so busy. It was it, and it's nice. Um, people are you feel in, in you know when you're welcome and when people you know want to have you there and and wants to see uh, want to see the race. And that was the case. So uh, hopefully this will be uh, the first one of uh, that was the first one of, uh, of of many more. Now we move on to a track that's uh, had an on and off relationship with formerly the uh, the the David Fairclough Sam of, uh, of formerly <laughs> tracks. Uh, that's one for the kids there. The Gen Zs are all over that one. Um, so it's Marrakesh. Uh, it's going to be another scorcher. I don't think we've ever raced on it this late into the year. So. Uh, do we think it'll be more of the same in terms of the competitive order? What's your prediction, Jerome? Oh, it's 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 difficult to say. I think you've had uh, you've had some teams that have been pretty much up there on every circuit so far, and uh, and so we'll yeah. I mean, we'll see. But I expect them to be there as well. Um, it's so close. We'll, we'll have to see there. I think it's it's going to be a bit different uh, than than Jakarta. I mean, it's going to be very warm, but much less humid. Um, and let's see how that you know how that impacts uh, all the temperature management aspect of uh, of things. Jakarta in the second part, of, uh, second uh, part of the race, we had a little bit of uh, the, the temperatures went went down a little bit, which was not necessarily expected. Uh, I mean, relatively down. It was it was still very very hot, but as uh, as you can imagine, with, with us when it comes to to management of, of all the systems. We're speaking of you know when you say the temperature went down from one degree or one point five degrees that that has an impact on on what we do. Uh, so let's see. I think it's going to be very warm. It's going to be different than what we've seen uh, when we go racing there in January and and, and February. Um, I think they will adapt a little bit the schedule to try to 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 you know not to be uh, on track when it's really scorching hot, but it but in the end it will. So it'll be another challenge. I think New York will be the same. Uh, and yeah, I think we're apart from London, we should be the next one with, you know, hopefully will be decent temperature. Uh, the, the coming races are going to be very warm. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, um, you, you packed, you're going to pack plenty of uh, factor 50 for that one. I'm assuming what do you expect to happen? Yeah, I've got a deal with Hawaiian Tropic actually for factor 350 for that weekend. It's, um, it's, yeah, I mean, agree with everything Jerome has said. I think a different angle is, even though it is a let's call it a semi-permanent facility, it, it's an amazing job that 
Formula E are going to have to do to get that to get everything ready for that race. I mean, I think it was only what was it eight weeks grace that it got when it replaced uh, Vancouver. Um, so yeah, fair play to them for getting it uh, on the calendar with with that amount of notice in the first place. Uh, it's uh, it ticks off, off another continent as well. So we, you know, Africa's added to the other ones. I think it's the best that Formula E could have done. It's frustrating. We're not going to Vancouver, but after that, we've got the, you know these three amazing events. Uh, New York's always great fun. Uh, London, I think, will be way beyond obviously what it was last year when it was mostly affected by the the, the pandemic. So I expect London to be a really big uh, event this year. And then, you know, we, 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 having spoken to Mr. Moon, the promoter of the Seoul EPRI, um, expecting huge things from uh, this this race inside and outside the the stadium, the 1988 Olympic Stadium in Seoul. So, I, you know, there's so much to look forward to for the end of the season. But yeah, Marrakesh is, it's going to be an evening race. I think it starts at five o'clock. I don't know if it's confirmed yet, but it's going to start at five o'clock and uh, it should be a little bit cooler. But, you know, early July temperatures are peaking at 41, 42 degrees. So that 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 just direct heat, thankfully without the any humidity that that Jerome and, and others experienced in uh, in Jakarta, it's still going to be really tough on the the thermal management of the batteries. I mean, it's going to be right up there with Santiago in in 2019 when uh, basically you and I just melted into two puddles didn't we for the for the weekend v2b so I, I hopefully the the air conditioning is is ramped right up in the media center for this one um because uh yeah i'm gonna have to start charging you danger money i think for going to these races we'll uh we'll create a little kitty for you for your uh yeah rehydration sachets and whatnot um no calendar update sam so you don't get a jingle for the next bit but uh any formula e news we need to cover off well, we've we've got this period now uh, between Jakarta and, and Marrakesh, where there's there's four weeks. Uh, that's going to be filled uh, for the manufacturers with getting on with the or starting really the the track testing of the development cars for Gen Three, which is going to be interesting and exciting. We're not sure how much we're going to see um, of that private testing happening, but um, it's going to take place the Continental teams, which is Porsche. Nissan and another one, <laughs> DS, uh, are going to be testing in on the continent, and the British manufacturers Jaguar, Mahindra, and Neo are going to be uh, running in the UK over the next coming weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And as we heard from Alessandra Giliberti and, and, and Frederick Bertrand in our last podcast, they're going to be using or um, testing the infrastructure for fast charging so that'll be really interesting to see how that goes um jerome are you going to go are you going to go to the uh, gen 3 tests are you are you allowed or no no i i won't uh, i won't be going i mean for us as a team you know and it's important to to uh, to put things into uh to remind uh that, that we are we're a team we're a racing team we're operating at the moment we're operating the the, the mercedes powertrain and so for me it's 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 of utmost importance that we remain focused on where we can make a difference um and, and what is our core uh, responsibility uh, in bringing performance and and that is in in um, exploiting a, a powertrain in a car that we're being given so this is what we uh, we focus on, and, and at the moment we will remain fully focused until the end of the season on trying to maximize 
the, the great opportunity that we have. And, um, and then we'll focus on Gen 3 when it will be uh, time to do so. That makes sense. Sorry to cut you off in your, uh, in your stride there, Sam. No, we, we've got an interesting one that's just gone live now um, when we're talking on Tuesday morning um, about, uh, well, involving Nissan. Uh, Nissan are using the ART uh, GP squad for part of their development of the Gen 3 program, initially just the testing, or we believe just the testing phase throughout this summer and into the autumn. Um, and we've managed to discover that, that Teo Pusher has um has done several days uh, independent, let's call it FIA spark testing, with that car in addition to Benoit Trellier, which uh, I find quite interesting because obviously Thierry Pocher, um works for the ART team and is a Formula 2 uh, race winner and is currently run, uh, runner-up in, in that championship as it heads, I think it's heading to Baku uh, this this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we the, the, the driver market is in full... Um, active swing as it has been for for a couple of months now um and there's a there's a new name that that could be tossed into it i think nissan we know for sure have one seat available we we think the intel we have is that max uh, max gunter will probably stay there next season but he is going to have a new teammate and um a young charger such as Teo Pusher, who who may have limited options in or probably will have limited options in in formula one i mean if, if Oscar Piastri can't get a drive in F1, what chance has Poucher got for next season? Probably very slim. Um, why not come to Formula E? It may be too early in his career, but certainly he is a driver in that mix for a seat um, next season. So you can read all about that on the site. Additionally, there's going to be a feature on why there probably will be more night races in Formula E next season. We believe that Jakarta is one option to hold a night race next season uh, as is berlin so that's going to be an interesting feature and the future of our reigning champion mr nick de vries um which is a very seems to be quite a complicated um uh saga at the minute um he's currently at le mans with toyota where he's tested reserve driver anticipated to get an offer uh, of a race seat with Toyota for next season. Um, he's already stated to German media that he will not race for McLaren, which is, remember, taking over the Mercedes EQ team for 2023 and beyond. So will Nick de Vries stay in Formula E? Um, we think he probably will. We know that he's been speaking to several teams um, and we'll just have to wait and see and um, and see if there are any updates. Uh, he, he would be a huge catch for for any team, any manufacturer um, um, heading forward into Gen 3. Do you agree, Jerome? you reckon he'd be a good catch? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, Nick, is, uh, Nick is obviously a great driver. Um, I think, <laughs> to sum up what you just said, I think is, like you say, the, the, driver, the driver's market is, uh, is in full swing. It's been for, for several weeks. It's, uh, there's a lot of things going on. Um, and, uh, and for some reason, I think perhaps because of... Uh, of uh, of um of the gen 3 testing starting you know starting early starting now people you know people are keen to get their lineup sorted before a bit earlier than what you would normally expect but at the same time you're still not everyone has got the information they they need to actually make a final decision and and, and go ahead with it so we'll see uh might be a few surprises left and right but um I mean, from our side, we'll definitely communicate on 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 
what our plans are when whenever we'll uh, we'll be ready to do so and and now is not the case if that's why you're asking uh, sam are you working to a time frame do you need to get it done before the season's finished or do you not feel under that pressure look obviously the the earlier the better because because it's one of these things where it's, it's an important thing it's an important decision for a team um you know understanding which powertrain you will be using understanding who's going to drive those cars um you know, the, these are some of the, the, the very important partnerships that need to be to be settled uh, and that you'd wish they'd be settled. And, and, and to a certain extent, it's, it's always uh, it's often still a moving, a moving part. But, you know, as soon as possible. But at the same time, uh, you can't take a decision when you don't have all the information you need to. So you know let, let's see well thank you very much both of you i think we can all agree that was a platinum performance all round uh drone the very best of luck to you and the team for the rest of the season and sam uh enjoy le mans and uh yeah good luck in the heat of marrakesh i think we'll probably talk uh before then um please keep an eye on the high from race.com for all the latest formerly news as Sam said we're expecting a few bits and pieces uh, to drop. And please check out the rest of the races podcast and output, which includes our new F1 tech show with Gary Anderson. Uh, episode one is out now and includes a really fascinating in-depth interview with uh, Pirelli's F1's Mario Isola. So please check that out. And goodbye. Can you just keep the Sam Smith? <laughs> The Athletic.